Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. This place is absolutely gorgeous. A true gem of a time long since gone by. I'm really impressed that we're going to be staying here for our trip. Well, I thought I'd change it up. I mean, I love staying at our usual place in Times Square, but I thought something different could be fun. Well, this certainly is different. I feel like we've stepped back in time. The Roosevelt Hotel does have a timeless feel to it. It makes one feel like you're back during a time of Rosemary Clooney or Judy Garland. Classic and classy. Welcome to Stage Whisper. I'm your host, Hope Bird, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Cortez. Today we are going to be discussing the larger-than-life show, End of the Rainbow. So hurry and take your seats. It looks like the show is starting. Hello, everyone. Welcome into today's performance of Stage Whisper. Clang, clang, clang with the trolley. Ding, ding, ding with the bell. If you can't tell by now who we are talking about, then don't worry, because our show today will fill you in as we delve into the remarkable play, End of the Rainbow. The show brought a lifelike reemergence of the legendary Judy Garland to the Broadway stage and brought audiences to their feet at Tracy Bennett's astonishing portrayal of the stage and screen star. But before we can go down the yellow brick road, we must first start with the groundwork back in Kansas. End of the Rainbow evolved from an earlier Peter Quilter play entitled Last Song of the Nightingale, which had starred Tracy Bennett as a fictitious past-her-prime diva, premiering as a London Fringe production in the spring of 2001, The last song had encored with Bennett in 2003 at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and also off West End. Although Quilter would state the play's protagonist was a gender switch on an alcoholic male cruise ship performer of the playwright's acquaintance, last song would be viewed by theatergoers and critics, and its star Tracy Bennett, as a theatrical Judy Garland Roman Octlef, or in other words, a novel about real-life events that is overlaid with a facade of fiction. Quilter eventually decided to revise his original play to overtly focus on Garland, with the resultant End of the Rainbow premiering in August 2005 at the Sydney Opera House in Australia, with Caroline O'Connor as Garland, and a role O'Connor reprised first in the May of 2006 production at the Theatre Royale, 
Sydney, and then at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival engagement of End of the Rainbow in August 2006. O'Connor won three Best Actress awards for her performance. End of the Rainbow was then performed from February 5th through the 20th of 2010 at Northampton's Royal and Derngate Theatre. This production was directed by Terry Johnson and starred Tracy Bennett as Judy Garland, with Hilton McRae as Anthony and Stephen Hagen as Mickey Deans. End of the Rainbow ran in the West End from November 16, 2010 to May 21, 2011 at Trafalgar Studios, starring Tracy Bennett. The West End production received nominations for four Olivier Awards, including Best Actress for Bennett, Best Actor in a Supporting Role for McRae, and Best New Play. The show then toured in the UK from 25th of August and ending in December of 2011 at Richmond Theatre. End of the Rainbow had its American premiere at the Guthrie Theatre in Minneapolis, running from January 28th to March 11th, 2012. Directed by Terry Johnson and Tracy Bennett repeated her role as Garland. It was at this point the show would make its big move to Broadway, which makes this the perfect time to introduce our design team. The playwright was Peter Quilter, director Terry Johnson, scenic and costume design William Dudley, lighting design Christopher Akerland, sound design Gareth Owen, hair and wig design John Jordan. The show would arrive at the Belasco Theater on April 2, 2012, where it would run for 160 shows until closing on August 19, 2012. After its Broadway run, it would play a critically acclaimed season at the Amanshin Theater in Los Angeles. Following that, it would be mounted around the world, including in Brazil, Portugal, Mexico, Japan, Germany, a second UK tour, and more. The show would go on to release an album of the songs performed during the play, recorded by Tracy Bennett. That season, it would be nominated for three Tony Awards. So, let's head over the rainbow ourselves. The the synopsis for the show isn't very long, but the overall weight of the show is quite large. A musical drama of Judy Garland's comeback concert Christmas 1968. With a six-week booking at London's Talk of the Town, it looks like Judy Garland is set firmly on the comeback trail. The failed marriages, the suicide attempts, and the addictions are all behind her. At 46, and with new flame Mickey Deans at her side, She seems determined to carry it off and recapture her magic. But lasting happiness always eludes some people, and there was never any answer to the question with which Judy ended every show. If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh why can't I? End of the Rainbow is a savagely funny drama featuring a glorious ensemble of Judy Garland hits, and infused with the glamour and the melancholy of stardom. There were five characters total, Judy Garland, Anthony, her good friend and pianist uh, slash music director, Mickey Deans, 
her lover, essentially, and then a third actor who played a reporter, a porter, and an ASM. The The end. end. discuss oh my gosh the show and the parts we liked or could use improvement i'm gonna sing it for now on i'm gonna come up with a different song every time this is happening now it's a thing it's a feature so i know that wasn't much of a synopsis but in all of our research and everything there really wasn't like a a traditional synopsis like we usually give um i mean literally it, it could be a two sentence synopsis this is kind of based on the final days of Judy Garland in London. Yeah, just before Before her passing, died. before, yeah. yeah. Um, that That's basically it. Just kind of her hotel room and perceived interaction she had. Well, and kind of what she was perhaps, <coughs> like, dealing with emotionally. Yes. Yeah, it's... there. The when, when we said that there's not a long synopsis, but it's a weighty show, it's because of the conversations that are had. Well, and I, before we saw this show, I didn't realize that Judy Garland had died so young and that her life was so rough, uh, but that's also because I never looked into her much. Oh, she was such a successful actress, but if you look at the hell she went through, I mean, the stuff, the studio, the pressure, and the things the studios did to keep her looking the way she did or whatnot, I, Hollywood was a cruel world, man. And it, it's like, part of me knew that, but I didn't realize that it had affected her. Oh, yeah. Which just goes to show my naivete. We didn't want to believe that our these 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 legends of the silver screen were addicts or things like that. But, I mean, here they were. And, and of course, Judy Garland, of course, with all the pressure and everything, I mean, she was probably had some mental issues as well. Um, as most and, artists do. Do and, 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 and she was to. she was trying to deal with them with alcohol and... Pills. pills and such and we all know how that ends and, and unfortunately it did end that way um but um it was really interesting just to he- see the interactions and the conversations that were had amongst these characters particularly Anthony and then of course Mickey um Mickey came off as kind of a gold digger. Because mm-hmm. it's like, why why do you love Judy? You don't come off as genuinely loving her for her. You come off as loving her for her, who she is as a star, where Anthony actually loved her for her. Yeah, because, I mean, he had been with her for a while. Right. Um, but if I remember right, Anthony was also gay. Probably. Um so it was it was a genuine like love like a friend love like kind a platonic of platonic love yes um so it this was a very dark and fabulous portrayal of those last days and a true portrayal and we got to see that cycle of that spinning out of control at first it was the oh look it's Judy Garland like oh this is incredible and then it was watching that train wreck in slow motion and there's nothing you could do because we all know how it ends yeah we all know where the ending is there's no no alternative um and what i love that this is one of the first i remember like 
icon impersonation kind of thing that I, I had seen on Broadway. And it was so... Tracy Bennett was so good. So good as Judy Garland. I mean, I, I know, look, I'm not the biggest Judy Garland fan. I'm not saying I don't like her. I just like, I, I don't... You haven't I, seen tons of videos of her and Right, so what I have seen of her, <clears throat> seeing Tracy Bennett do what she did on stage, I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. She's just like her, you know. And I was like, this is incredible. How can... I can't believe another human can, can do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, lo and behold, we've had people do, you know, Cher and Michael Jackson and the Jersey Boys and um, yada, yada, Tina Turner and yada, yada, yada. Um, <clears throat> so, um, this was incredible for me. And to be able to do that eight times a week. oh, And to do that spiral out of control. I mean, mm-hmm. there is impersonating someone that we all know when they're polished. But to be able to master also that. Undone. Yes. Um, I enjoyed the storyline that was created from the information we know about this moment in her real life. Because, like I said, these conversations that were had in the hotel room and whatnot, I don't think they were... I'm sure they're not from, like, truth. Like, this isn't verbatim. This is probably the playwright piecing together, you know, this is what I imagine was said or, you know... Um, right, or this, yeah. And it's kind of like, I, yeah, I could totally see. I'm sure Anthony and Mickey did not like each other because I'm sure Anthony could see Mickey did not have her best interests. Should Judy have been performing at that point in her life? Probably not. It was not good for her. And yet Mickey was pushing her to perform. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, it, it was a very dark show, um, but beautifully done. Just so beautifully done. Um, why don't we dive into the beauty of it, which, which let's break it down. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So the set, beautiful and simple, um, it took place in two places. There were two basic sets. There was um, the hotel room, mm-hmm. which was giving me a very much um, Lend Me a Tenor vibes almost. That hotel room, that ornate hotel room. That's right, but it was like it was like an ornate hotel room, but it was very sixties mod. Yes, yes, and then that concert venue, which the con- for the concert venue just consisted mainly of the band in the back, and then usually a light, a neon light above that was like Judy live, you know. Right. Well, and wasn't there like a the Lemay uh, mm-hmm, curtain? Mm-hmm. And um, then there were. You know, there was a couple of side scenes. One I remember was um, an intimate scene backstage. When Judy's really out of it, but she's having her makeup applied by Anthony. You know, and he's trying to give her a pep talk, like, everything's fine if you don't want to go on, da 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 And so it looks very backstage, but it still feels like it's on stage at the club. But what I loved was, here is this grand star... But also not this, like, it, it's a fallen from grace. It, it comes off fallen from grace because her dressing room, if you will, is a trunk. Mm-hmm. So it comes off that gypsy kind of, the gypsy, the musical, Gypsy Rosalie, comes off that way. Yeah. And I'm just like, if if, if, if this was the Judy Garland of, of days before, there would not be, this This would be a full, fully realized Dress a a family Bryce with all the flowers. 
Yeah. But here Anthony is putting her makeup on and pulling it out of a trunk. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a really key moment to show you are still wonderful Judy Garland, but, you know, I, it was a little bit of a sobering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the costumes. Um, very lovely. The men's suits. Okay, I'm all about a men's suit. Now look, the 1940s are my jam. But a good 1960s men's suit, a good cut men's suit, it's just... It, man, can we bring back tailoring as a mainstream thing? I'm just saying. I mean, I think that would be great. Um, the men's suits were gorgeous. <clears throat> what about the iconic looks for Judy? Yeah, it was definitely very 1960s mod. Um, she had on... I mean, just those iconic, like, like that 60s, like, A-line dress. The marabou red robe, yes. pantsuit thing, and the rhinestone outfit. The iconic neckerchief. Mm-hmm. And that golden yellow robe that she wore to get ready. Mm-hmm. And, and the hair. That, I don't, okay, look, you're the hair person. You gotta explain the look. But it had, like, that single roll in the middle. Kind of, it was like a beehive, it was like a Beehive pixie victory roll combo. Okay. If that makes any sense. Well, explain. <clears throat> so it definitely had that, um, think like Audrey Hepburn silhouette, where it makes her neck look very skinny and her head look very small, um, but then this hair is gorgeously quaffed on top. That's um, kind of, it's basically like, a French twist into like a bump it in the front, but then has like bangs to make it look soft and feminine. See, I thought it was like having a Swiss roll on top of your head, is what I remembered. Um, I mean, kind of. I mean, it's that's what a French twist looks kind of oh, like a Swiss, okay, okay. Swiss roll because it's not. Quite I'm thinking a thick... of French braids. Sorry. Oh no 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 yeah that's different no because you have like it was very 1940s to have more of like the. Yes. The victory roll, which looks like a, a Swiss roll, yes. kind of. But yes. this was more like a, a French twist into a bouffant, which is kind of like that 60s like bump okay. in the front. Um, so, I mean, it all goes together, and it's all the similar. Because she, it, it still, it did look, it did not, it didn't, when we say, you know, this is in the 60s, she did not have your iconic 60s hair. No, mm. it was like a graduated version of 1950s. Yes. But being done in the 60s. Yes. Um, going on with the lights, I thought they were very good. I thought they were very effective. Great transitions between the hotel and the concert venue, which was nice because it had this almost cabaret feel to it where she would, there'd be a scene going on and um, <coughs> she would. Trans, she would go to the um, concert, you know, she'd be doing a scene, then we'd go to the concert, and that LeMay curtain or whatever would fly in, and all of a sudden we'd be at the concert. So these musical numbers did not necessarily progress the show. It just was almost like a, an interval or an interlude between um, the scenes. So I liked the ability for the lighting to help usher that in. To separate the 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 focus and the bulk of the play was there in the hotel room, 
and it wasn't until later in the play that the concert started filling in when she got tangled up in the mic cord and she started well, forgetting and, the and words it, or she started br- having breakdowns. And it really started to just really play that idea that she was she was living for the moments on stage, but the things that she was doing when she wasn't on stage were starting to bleed into her performance yes. because of how badly she was spiraling out. Yes. I love the projection, uh, or maybe it was a flat in the window depicting the city behind them. Like, it wasn't mobile, but, it, like, you could see London behind them. Um, and I thought that was a really beautiful scene in the window of the hotel room. Um, and I love the darker moments with the use of blues and purples that not only were, like, at night or, or necessarily dark scenes, but they just highlighted, like, the shadows or the demons in Judy's life. Mm-hmm. You know, which I thought was really great. That just that subtext, that foreshadowing, that just that extra spoon-fed. Um, in regards to the direction, it it was brilliant to me. Um, it was not an over exaggeration of an icon or a satirization of this larger-than-life figure. No, it felt very real. Yeah, it was a balanced presentation of a perceived biographical experience. Um, I loved how the music was used, like I said, less of a forwarding tool and more of a, like a release from the drama. Um, it gave us a moment to get out of the hotel room and just release the tension until, like I said, like you mentioned where outside the performance started kind of coming into a performance. Well, and and it kind of let us feel the same (laughs) way that it could be perceived that Judy was feeling where she's feeling all this tension in the hotel room and she just wants to go back to ignoring all of it and just being on stage and just living in the moment and the things are getting so bad that they start bleeding into the performance. And I think the way that it was done really made us feel that journey with her. Yeah. And I mean, I I can't get out of my head the fact when she just freezes on stage because she can't remember the words and Anthony's tossing her the words. Well, like I said, getting, getting... getting wrapped up in the mic cord. Yeah. You know, and and, and and you're focused on that and you can't focus on her performance and she's, you know, you just see such a bad performance and someone's trying so hard to just sell it and you're like, just stop. The best thing you can do is just stop and either restart or let's just call this a day but they just keep trying to push through and you're like, this is getting worse and it's worse. Like a, it's like watching a train wreck. Yeah, and that's literally what was happening. Um... I know we're talking about a play, but we would be, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the music. There is music in this show. Yes, because it's a play with music. And Tracy was so incredible at singing just like Judy. It was, it was amazing. She sounded phenomenal. I totally understand why they released a recording of her singing it. Yeah, I, I would highly encourage everyone out there to go find the album, buy it, listen to it. It's, it's amazing. I, I'm, uh, it's incredible. Well, and the order in which they did songs also felt intentional to ebb and flow and rise and fall with what was happening um, with the with Judy at this yes. time. Yeah, um, the band was amazing. Props to them, and the songs were so familiar and fun. I mean, you know, we all, we all knew the songs and End of the Rainbow and jazz all jazz standards and, and yep. all that jazz. Blue skies. Yeah, yep. so. It, it was just a solid, solid show all around. The show has had several notable performers, including Tracy Bennett, Michael Cupsey, and Tom Pilfrey. 
So let's now talk about the impact the show's had on the theater and its history. So I don't think there was much of a theatrical impact. Well, I, I, mean, I would say it's a great biographical play about Judy Garland. It, it brought her story into the, the tomes of theater. Well, and that, Judy Garland is a, a... Judy Garland, who is the mother of... Liza Minnelli. So, I mean, you know, that is a, a, a dynasty family of, of theater. Um, so I think we have to acknowledge that. But outside of that, I mean... Yeah, there was no... We didn't yeah. break ground on anything. We didn't. There's some good monologue material for older females. Uh, I mean, if that, I mean, it's to me the best thing is the story of Judy Garland. That's that's the most theatrical impact. So, when it comes to societal impact, I think it showed the dark side of fame and fortune. Yes. And it also pulled the curtain back on one of America's most cherished stars. Right, and let us, like, reminded us of the story and what she went through because, like, like I said, I didn't know that, so that meant there were new generations that were learning things oh, yeah. about a icon. All anybody knows from her is, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz or Meet Me in St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. And but then she was the- a real person who experienced... Really bad things. She might have been great on stage, but her off, or excuse me, on screen, but her off screen life was just tragic. And when you learn about that, you hopefully it makes you second guess the way we treat people who are in that position, you know. So that brings us right around to the question of is the show still relevant? In my opinion, is this was a fabulous play. But there really wasn't much of a message. And so this was more of a show meant to entertain. And with the current Broadway client, I would say that as of now, this show is not relevant for Broadway. I think it's better suited for regional and collegiate theater. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say uh, as far as relevancy, they did just make a movie version of it with Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland. And they titled it Judy. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't seen, but... I've heard know. it was good. Yeah, I heard it was good. So as far as relevancy, like, it's a great biographical thing, but I don't think that it's Broadway or... I mean, it it would have to be the right person to be able to do it. Like, it would have to be the right casting to be able to do it for region, regional or whatever. Well, that's but what makes it is, hard. <laughs> right, but this, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, dusting this off every once in a while when the right actress comes along. Right. I just don't think right now it's relevant for Broadway. Definitely not. we wanted to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing this show. So we had the good fortune of seeing the show back in 2012. Um, and, I mean, really, there there aren't a ton of stories attached to this. I remember seeing the show and loving it. I think this was our first show at the Belasco. I remember falling in love with the theater and the way that the th- the the theater it's made a gorgeous me feel. Yeah, it was it was very nostalgic. I felt like I was back in an old vaudeville house. And actually, I just finished a book um, called Broadway Mile by Mile, um, and learning about 
Belasco. Uh, I can't think of their first name now. I think it's John Belasco, but that doesn't feel right. Anyway, and how he came to build that theater and actually made it his home and everything. I was like, oh my gosh. So, I mean, he used to live right, uh, and his penthouse is still on top of the theater. Oh, wow. And, you know, those are Tiffany lamps that are on the in the orchestra and everything like that. I mean, it's a gorgeous theater for a reason. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is incredible. Um, so knowing that I, now, I'm like, every time I get to go to the Belasco Theater, I'm just a little bit more like, oh, I know these like, things. Like, I really, honestly, I love going to the Belasco because I feel like I'm walking back in time. Yeah. And it's, it really, it's, it's one of those theaters that... It's one of those jewels of uh, of our theater district, mm-hmm. you know. So d- d- don't discount it by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's David Belasco who was the one who the theater's named after, who built it. And you should look up the information about him because um, it's really fascinating how he came to be. He was one of the people that basically... Um, fought against the Claw and Erlinger Empire um, back at the when the vaudeville era was around um, mm-hmm. he helped um, the Schubert I think it was the Schubert brothers if I remember right um, who owned the Liberty Theater which I think is now the new Victory Theater and things like that yeah very interesting it's a great book and just really fantastic history but what was the name of the book again? Broadway Mile by Mile okay I think that's the name of the book but uh, anyway um, so the theater, gorgeous. The show, fantastic. In fact, I love that the show was at this theater. It felt like that's the right theater for the show to be at. Yes, it felt like the whole experience felt like going back in time. Yeah, and then meeting Tracy Bennett afterwards was amazing. She's such a sweet actress. Um, and she, in in person, she does not sound like the same person on stage, which is also she like... She was so tiny. Yeah, and I was like... I, if I met you on the street, I would have no idea that you have this Judy Garland impersonation in you. Like, this is incredible. So, a, an incredible, you know, send up to her for her acting ability in that to per, portray this larger-than-life character. You know, that's a testament to her skill. So, Tracy Bennett, who we also just recently got to see in Hangman. And I, the minute she walked out and I heard her voice, I was like, I know you. <laughs> Rifle through the playbill and I was like, it is you. Okay, you know, and I just, I love Tracy Bennett. She's such a great actress, so. Theater is back. Theater is here. And we hope you can enjoy uh, a show with us very soon. You'll be able to catch End of the Rainbow sometime somewhere near you, I'm sure. We also want to remind you that you can now become a producer and a patron of the show by getting your backstage pass. Information about our backstage passes can be found at patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. 
And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Fox by Music for Wildlife. Other music on this episode provided by William Ross Chernoff's Nomads, Quantum Jazz, Kevin McLeod, and Billy Murray. <laughs>